0: Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor David Hall, Senior Pastor of Life Point Church. For more information, visit our website on www.davidhall.com.au First Thessalonians. We're going to just talk about the end of time for a minute, and uh, we're going to preach... About what's to come, and then we're going to talk about how to live knowing that. And so, the message at the end, we're going to get to a Holy Ghost revival miracle message. We're going to pray for people. We're going to believe for people to be baptized in the Spirit tonight, and just get the Holy Ghost on them. But but before we get there, I want to, I want to just go on this journey because I really do have a conviction in my heart that our generation needs to know some of this stuff. And uh, because I, I guess our parents' generation grew up on this, but maybe as young people, we haven't really. I guess we can take for granted the great churches that we have, but there is some truth in the Bible that I want to unpack tonight, I think just might be a blessing to you, and uh, I want to have a look at it, and it says here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and verse 13, Paul writes, But I do not want you to be ignorant brethren concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain into the coming of the Lord will no means precede those who are asleep. And it says this, I love this in verse 16. He says, He says, For the Lord Himself, somebody say the Lord Himself. He says, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Somebody say a shout. And it says, with the voice of the archangel, somebody say the voice. And he says, And with the trumpet of God, somebody say the trumpet. Cool. That's all I want you to repeat. We won't do this all night. With the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words I I want to just set this up for a minute and I want, want to talk to you about a moment that is to come and uh, it is going to be one of the most incredible moments that you'll ever read about in history to come I guess that, I think that makes sense but this is this is going to be one, one of the most epic things I guess the Bible says now the truth is if you haven't heard this before it might it might kind of make you go whoa but that, that's okay the word of God does that from time to time but the Bible says here the scripture says there's come coming a moment where the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. We'll hear the voice of an archangel. Like, this is actual. This is not figurative. And the Bible says the trump of God's going to sound. And then the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. That doesn't mean like the Christian that's like a dead Christian and not, not full on for God. He's talking about Christians that have died. Somehow, I don't know how God does it, and I'm not going to try and figure it out, but the Bible says there's coming a moment where the trumpet of God's going to sound and the dead in Christ literally are going to leave this earth and, and, and be taken up to heaven. And the Bible says, we who are alive and remain shall also be caught up together to meet him in the clouds. Now, this is crazy. This is like, some of you just came to church tonight thinking, i oh, will come to church, and now what on earth are you talking about? We're, we're getting into Star Wars or some kind of random stuff. <laughs> sort of. But he says, he says, the dead in cross rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together within the clouds. What he's saying, the word caught up is an interesting word. The Greek word, the original language for the word caught up is a word called harpazo, which means to pluck, to to catch away, to, like, like a bird would catch its prey and pluck it out of the ground. And the, the Latin translation of that word harpazo is rapturo from which we get the English word Rapture, uh, And so we're talking about the rapture of the church. And and what that means is God, by the grace of God and, and the goodness of God, there's coming a moment where God is going to call the church back to himself. No man knows the day and we don't know the hour. But there's coming a moment where this is going to happen and we're going to be caught up together. I mean, this is crazy. You know, the, the, there's like winged beings called raptors, like birds or like even dinosaurs, I think, share the name. And they are they are birds of prey that pluck their food or, or whatever they're gonna eat. That is how they, they come in and grab. And you know there's coming a moment, it's not, we're not going to be caught up in Eden, but we are, going to be, we are going to be caught up, and we're going to get to heaven, and there is going to be the greatest moment in heaven, and, and it's going to be a time of rejoicing and victory and life and celebration. But the powerful thing about this passage is it says the Lord himself will descend. Do you realize he's not sending an angel, he's not sending some religious figure, it's not going to be someone coming in his name, it's going to be Jesus, and he's going to call us together, but we live in a world that's crazy, and we don't know when the end of time is going to happen. No one knows the day. No one knows the hour. But what we do know is there's going to be a moment where God says, that's it. Boom. I'm getting everyone back up here. And it's going to be awesome. And 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 uh, I don't know how it actually happens. I, I've got a theory. It's theologically sketchy. But I have a theory. I've been told by Pastor Luke that there is a... That there is a rapture button in heaven. Have you heard of the rapture? There's a rapture button. And it's just like a box with a massive red button in heaven. And so, what happened one day, just to prove this rapture uh, uh, doctrine to be true, one day, this is thousands of years ago, an angel is just minding their own business and starts cleaning the button. (laughs) Now, Jesus wasn't in the room at the time, and and, uh, God the Father is out doing something else. and uh, so he thought no one was watching. And so the angel just was like... Whoa. The Bible says Enoch walked with God. And he was no longer. So we know the story. Enoch got raptured, but he's gone. So he hits the button. And then Enoch's in heaven. And Jesus is like, dude. Well, I don't know if Jesus said dude, but he said, dude, what did you do? You hit that button. Enoch's here. He's not meant to be here for months. And... So he says, if you do that again, I'm taking your wings for three weeks. So about a thousand years later, the angel comes back in there. Pushes the button. There's Elijah in a chariot minding his own business. And the chariot just keeps going, going, going. And Jesus is like, you yeah, the button again, Elijah's here, he's not meant to be here. And then about a couple of thousand years later, there's Jesus, standing on the top of the, of the hill, on the top of the mountain, and he says, lo, I'll be with you always. <laughs> he shoots through, and God's like, there we got Jesus here, what are you, if you touch that button, again. maybe that's not how it happens, but still... We'll never know until we get to the other side. And I'm trying to be a bit funny, but I'm also trying to tell you there is coming a moment where Jesus is going to come back. It's true. And it, the four job descriptions of Jesus: Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus baptizes in the Holy Spirit, and He's coming again. So He's coming again. Jesus Christ is coming back. We don't know when. We don't know how. We don't know what it looks like. But what we do know is Jesus Christ. He's coming back for the church and I believe he's coming back for a church like this one that's alive and full of faith. And so we know all of that. So how do we live with the end in mind? How do we live with the end in mind? I have got three thoughts for you tonight that I want to just share with you. And we're going to have a bit of fun, but I'm believing at the end of tonight, the power of God's going to touch this place. Is that okay? First thought, number one, if, uh, if you're living with the... With the end mind, live and knowing that Jesus come back. what's the first thing? Number one, do not fear. Somebody say, do not fear. Not fear. Do not fear. The reason, the reason I want to say that is because sometimes you hear end times guys, they'll get up get up and they'll wave their hand like a thief in the night is going to come. They scare literally they scare the hell out of you. Because there's no hell anymore you're frightened so much, you repent, which may be to work for some, but I think sometimes we think what the enemy's plans are trump the plans of God. And we sort of feel like we've got to get all nervous and full of fear. Can I tell you something about fear? Fear is not the opposite of faith. Fear is actually a faith in and of itself. And if you start living in fear, there is a negative end that fear can bring. Because you've got a belief and a faith that something bad's going to happen. And it's amazing how we've got to get away from fear and be people of faith that believe that the promises of God are the promises of God. But I, but I say all that to say this. We get all freaked out about the end of time. Jesus said, "Uh, see that you're not troubled. Paul said, comfort one another with these words. He said, things are going to get shaky. Nation will rise against nation. Check. There'll be earthquakes, famines and pestilence. Check. There's going to be people that come in my name. False Christs. Check. These things are happening. But he says, do not be troubled. He says, just let's get about preaching the gospel, serving God. But let's not fear. Now, there is a translation of the Bible that talks about when Jesus takes out the Antichrist. Now, can we get a bit epic from minute? We'll get to a normal message in a minute, but we'll just, we'll just do this. Now, so what happens in end times theology is the rapture happens. We go up. Now, people have different views, and, and, and no one can really state that they know everything about this subject. We just do our best, but there's going to be a rapture. There's going to be a tribulation. Everything's going to go crazy, but in that time of tribulation, there is one going to rise up called the Antichrist, and uh, it, just go and buy his name, you know he's not gonna be ideal. And so, <laughs> he's gonna rise up, and his mission is to just wipe out God's people, the Israelites, and, and, uh, and he's just, really, he's a bit of a mongrel, really. He's not, not a good guy, to be honest. So, so, so Jesus is gonna take him out. Now, but the way it's gonna happen is, when Jesus comes to destroy the Antichrist on the hill of Armageddon, and it's called Armageddon, I think for this reason, because when they're there, they're probably going to be like, Armageddon out of here. Uh, who knows? <laughs> so, who knows? We'll never know. So, not sure. The battle happens in a valley called Megiddo. And so, and so what's going to happen is, we're going to be in heaven. The Bible says Jesus is going to ride a horse, hair white like wool, eyes like fire, and uh, written on his thigh as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Some people think Jesus is maybe pampy. He ain't maybe pampy. This Jesus will freak you out. I mean, this is not this is not like Jesus. You see in the pictures. This Jesus is going to annihilate this guy. And so he's coming back, and and uh, and, and we're going to be riding with him. I don't know why, really, because we're just going to be on horses with him, or motorbikes. We're going to, we're going to be riding. We're going to be riding with him. With swords in our hand, ready to go. And when we get there, the Bible says in one translation, every translation you have in your lap says with one breath of his lungs, but there is one translation, and uh, and it says that he's going to wipe him out with one breath of his nostril. Not nostrils. (laughs) Nostril. He is a single nostril adversary. So we're going to be there on horseback, ready to go, yeah, come on, we're going to take out these mongrels, they're destroying everything, and just when we're ready to attack, although none of us are going to know what on earth we're doing, we're just going to, (laughs) Jesus is going to be there, everyone put your swords in, just chill, we'll all be there, it's like a really weird movie, and Jesus is going to get in front of the Antichrist, and this is how he's going to deal with him. some of you I think we get a bit weird as Christians ah oh, the devil's coming against me what am I gonna we, we, gotta, we gotta understand who we are and whose we are when the enemy comes against you in the name of Jesus Serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Oh Amen. I tell you right now, you get trouble in your life when the enemy comes against you. Some of you, you go into travail. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Done. Can I tell you? This method of prayer that I've just taught you is very effective during flu season. Young now, it's funny. Now I tell these stories, and there is a generational gap. But I, I, I was—I finished school in '99, so Y2K was the big thing, and everyone was having to spend 600 bucks on their computer to get it Y2K compliant. My friend ran a company doing that, and all he did was take the computer, charge 600 bucks, and give it back. <laughs> Because people were so full of fear. Yeah. I went to a New Year's Eve party and my friend turned the mains off the main power off. At the end of the countdown into the year two thousand, because apparently the world was going to shut down. Yeah. So ten nine eight seven six five four three two one, he turns the power off, the whole building goes dark. Yeah. All you could hear was me going, Come on, guys, let's pray in the spirit. <laughs> Meanwhile, the neighbour's house was fine. But there was a pastor in my church who literally filled up his bath with water to the top. They built a bunker in the back of their yard and stocked up on baked beans. Now, just think about that. If I'm going to be in a bunker, baked beans is not what I want you other people to be eating there. And it was nothing. Everything was, everything was fine. Don't fear. Number two, this is simple, but this is this important. This is very important. Number two, you've got to go to church. Somebody say, go to church. I know you're probably looking for deep exposition of the end times. I really am not capable. But I can tell you right now, there's something that you might have never seen in the Word that I want to show you tonight. Hebrews chapter 10. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Hebrews. Hebrews 10. Have a look at verse 23. If you can't see your Bible, uh, I'll read it anyway. It says this in verse 23. He says, uh, of chapter 10 of Hebrews, page 836. He says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Somebody say he's faithful. He said, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more. Listen to this. So much more as you see the day approaching, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. What have we done tonight? We have assembled ourselves together. Serving God is great, but there's some assembly required. And there is something powerful about putting God first at the beginning of every week and being disciplined in coming to church. I, I, I've grown up where, where I go to church morning, noon, and night. I mean, I remember one of the few times I've missed church in 34 years living on this planet was on our honeymoon. <coughs> Sorry, not on a honeymoon. We went on a holiday. On our honeymoon, we even went to church. We went to church on our honeymoon. What, what freaks we are? <laughs> so, so we're on this holiday in Hawaii a couple of years ago, and it's Sunday morning. And I said to my wife, we've got to go to church because we're very spiritual people. I got up and the alarm went off and I was like, you know, we could just not go to church. And we didn't. We just laid there and we're like, so this is what backsliding feels like. (laughs) This is awesome. No wonder they do it all the time. can I tell you, he says this, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. He says, and so much more as you see the day approaching. There is a day coming where Jesus is coming back. The whole world's going to go into chaos. And so he says, so much more important is church in this day, even in the days that have been. Yet now, a committed Christian goes to church once a month in America. Once a month. I don't want to be a once a monther. I don't even want to be a once a Sunday guy. Now, I understand in a church like this, you've got 15 million services and 80 billion people trying to get into the place. So make room for others. But... My dad was an alcoholic school teacher who thought he was a reincarnated Aboriginal elder. Well, the same pair of jeans every single day, because they were his lucky jeans, he would listen to Aboriginal corroboree music, and I'm not being disrespectful to the first Australians, I'm just saying this is what my dad did, and he would listen to that music and hope to... Received from the spirit of that music, he was a chronic alcoholic, he was totally demonised, he was away from God, and uh, he was a high school teacher, and basically he'd roll up to school, teach art until lunchtime, go to the pub, have six tequilas in a row, boom, go back and teach school, drive the kids home on the school bus. That was my daddy, and uh, my dad uh, was crazy, and so there was about 70 kids in the school that went to the local AOG church in Adelaide paradise assembly of God. So they decided this guy is crazy. He needs to get saved because he's crazy. So they had a prayer meeting one Sunday afternoon. I tell you no lie. They are seeking God and they are praying. They're saying, God, save Mr. Hall because he's lost the plot. He's crazy. You've got to save him. And they started praying and seeking God. My grandmother sees my dad the same day and says, Tim, did you know there's a large church on Northeast Road and they have buses. This church buses people in. What kind of?" Of a church has buses. And my dad was like, A church has buses? He goes, I need to see what all the fuss is about. He goes, because my grandma told him they had buses. Really, he went because some people were praying. Because who goes to church? Because they've got buses. So he goes, <laughs> he goes, walks into the church, and the guy that was leading the prayer meeting sees him, breaks down in tears and says, Tim, what are you doing here? And my dad's comforting him, trying to give him pastoral care. And so my dad walks in because the guy says do you want to sit with me and he says yeah sure so he goes to sit with him and realises there's a whole bunch of kids from the school so he's going no no I'm going to sit in the balcony where all the heathens sit and so he goes up into the balcony and sits at the back of the balcony and just listens to the music. And this is back like literally 40 years ago. So they're singing all these old songs like, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will le- he brought me out of the miry clay. I mean, like, they're cool songs. So they're singing these songs. And my dad said, it's pretty cool. He had a good time. And then the pastor, Andrew Evans, got up and ruined everything. Because he was nice to everyone in the room but him. He was like, God loves your friends. He has a plan for your life. He wants to change you by his grace. But if you don't repent, you're going to hell. He loves you, friends. He has a destiny for you. But you need to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus. So my dad reckons he had like three nervous breakdowns up there. So Pastor Andrew says, if you don't know Jesus, just lift your hand. i see who you are. I want to pray for you. And you can get saved. And so my dad's going, well, I want to get saved, uh, but I don't really want him to see, because he's been pretty mean to me the entire time, to be honest. So he says, I'm going to put my hand up so fast that Jesus sees it, but Andrew will not get to see it. So he goes like this. (laughs) Pastor Andrew says, yes, you in the back of the balcony, I see your head. (laughs) So then the piano player gets up. And he said, Pastor Andrew is, a, is the greatest man of God you've ever met. He gets up and he says, if you lifted your hand, just come, I want to pray for you. And Dad's like, well, I can't go down the front. All of my students are there. And I've worked hard to cultivate a reputation. He said, even though it was total lunatic, it still took effort, you know. <laughs> and so finally, he's up there and he says he felt a hand on his shoulder. And he knew no one was behind him. And so that freaked him out. He knew it was God. So he thought, fine. So he comes out and he starts running down the front. Now, as he's running down the front, Pastor Andrew had a word that day that as the Apostle Paul had a Timothy, God was going to give him a Timothy. And my dad runs down the front and he says to... My, and as he's running down, God speaks to Pastor Andrew and says, that's him. And Pastor Andrew goes, well, that's impossible. So, because he had hair down his back, smelt like booze, looked like he'd been dragged through a swamp backwards. And so he runs down the front. Pastor Andrew says, what's your name? And my dad goes... My name's Tim. <laughs> Pastor Andrew starts crying because that's what Pastor Andrew does. And he says, Father, baptize him in the Holy Ghost. With that, my dad just hits the floor speaking in tongues. He hadn't even prayed the prayer to get saved. So then all the counsellors are getting around him to pray the prayer just in case the order's wrong and he's going to go to hell. <laughs> and so my dad meets my mom. i come along. The point that I'm trying to make is there was some kids in a church. They saw a crazy teacher. They decided that... And by the way, my dad's an evangelist now. In, in his meetings around the world, he's led over a million people to Jesus Christ. Wow. and 150,000 in one crusade in India. The point that I'm trying to make is, I think, I'm leading a church. What about all the kids that got saved in our church? and People that have been married now have kids in their church. I think to myself, it all happened. Yeah, God did it totally. We give him the praise. But there were people who, out of their time, out of their money... Paid the price to build a church building, to buy some seats, to buy some musical instruments, some mics. They tithed, they gave, they they prayed, they they were faithful to the house of God and they created an environment in which my dad could be born again. and 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 you know, for me, I think to myself, if I'm gonna, you're sitting in the church tonight. Someone paid for those seats. Someone paid for this building. A price has been paid. I tell you, I'm sure if you got Pastor Luke up here and said, "Well, what do you want me to do about that?" He'd say, "Just invest in this place and keep it going, so it keeps going forward. So the price that's been paid doesn't end. It just keeps doing what God's called it to." I think 50 people got saved here on Friday night. People saved on Sunday. Why? Because there's a house built. for the the work of the gospel to transform life. There is no greater mechanism on planet Earth for global evangelism than the church, I'll have you know. And I want to tell you right now, that's why, to me, the church saved my dad, saved my family, so I can tell you right now, I'm going to give my whole life to this thing. I love the church. Jesus loves the church. It's his bride. He's coming back for the church. we are going to go to church. Number three, simple message, three points, and maybe a poem, if you're lucky. Roses are red. This poem's bad. <laughs> Number three, we've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Acts chapter one, and I want you to turn there for a minute, we'll be, we'll be nearly done. Acts chapter one. I'll have you know that I'm rather excited tonight. I feel like something good is going to happen. In the house, are you happy today? Does anyone love Jesus in the house? Yeah. Very good. Acts chapter one, it says this, verse four. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them, "Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father." That's the Holy Spirit. He said, "John baptize in water; you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit a few days from now." Verse six, they get talking and they start saying. They started talking. Therefore, when they come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So they're just saying, are you going to pull it all back together? Are you going to restore things? When, when are you coming back? When, when's this all going to happen? What, what's the end going to look like? And he said this. He said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. So he's saying, don't you worry about when. He said, that's our, that's our business. We know the moment that it's going to happen. We'll pick the right time. But he said, well, you're on this planet. This is what you need to worry about. He said this. He said, it's not for you to know times or seasons. The Father has put his authority. He just says, but you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be a witness to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He's basically saying, don't get into conspiracy theories. Don't get crazy. You just stay full of the Spirit. And can I say that's really what I've come. How do we live knowing that Jesus is coming back? We've got to live knowing he's coming back. We've got to be people of faith. We've got to be in the house of God. But we need to just concentrate on being so full of the Holy Spirit that every person we come in contact with comes in contact with Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I, I love the power of God and I love the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I really feel like God wants to do something in this place. And I'm going to tell you one more story. Then I'm going to be done preaching and we're going to pray and we're going to believe God is going to do something tonight, Pastor Frosty. How many love Pastor Adam and Pastor Darcy? Aren't they awesome? She's my favorite, Oki, because she's from Oklahoma. And Adam, you are just the man. You are awesome. Just incredible spirit, you know? They're just nice, but they've got authority. I feel like they're nice, but they're going to take over the world. That's that's kind of like like nice dictators, but still. I preached at Brownsville Assembly of God, which was... place where there was a big revival maybe nearly 20 years ago and in fact they celebrated the 20th anniversary this year so (laughs) that would pretty much answer that so I preached there this is in 2011 and they had this woman preaching whose name was Mary Jenkins now Mary Jenkins at the time she's now gone to be with the Lord but at the time she was 102 (laughs) that is an old woman let's just be honest that's an old woman and she was the adopted daughter of a man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. Now, for those that don't know Smith Wigglesworth, he was one of the fathers of the faith that moved in the power of God. I'm sure he was in New Zealand. Was he ever in New Zealand? I know he started our church in Adelaide, at Paradise Church. He started Elam in New Zealand. Well, there you go. This guy pretty much could walk on water. And not exactly, but if he wanted to, I'm sure he could if he just didn't want to. But he literally raised the dead. He saw miracles that were unbelievable. And I'd heard one story of Wigglesworth going to a funeral. And I know this is radical, but do you know something? Sometimes we get so pragmatic, we, we don't believe that God can do these things. God can do whatever he wants. Never forget that. He went to a funeral. He grabbed the body out of the coffin. This is like 100 years ago. Took the body, threw it against the wall, and raised the guy from the dead. I mean, that went from a funeral to church in about two seconds flat. But the, be- the most amazing thing is... Like, there was a lot of stories like that of Wigglesworth. So I'm in this side room with Mary Jenkins, the daughter, the adopted daughter of Smith Wigglesworth. She's 102. And, uh, and I'm sitting in there in the back room. She's just sitting there in a wheelchair. And there's me. I couldn't understand a word she said. She had this thick accent. It's like, hey, baby, how you go? I couldn't understand anything. And so I'm thinking, how do I make small talk with a woman that's 102? I'm like, how is the Spanish Inquisition? And, <laughs> She's it was my favorite Inquisition, actually. But, you know, so what do you say? So I said to her, Pastor Luke, I said, I, re- I thought I'd just recount that story. I said, I heard this story about Brother Wigglesworth. And I went and told her about the funeral, the body thrown against the wall. And she goes, baby, that story is an exaggeration. I said, what do you mean? She said, it's an exaggeration. I said, what do you mean? She said, he didn't throw nobody against no wall she, he just pushed him against the wall <laughs> I said serious I said was he raised from the dead and she goes yeah baby I said how do you know she said baby I was there I was like I was kind of spooked and blessed all at the same time. I said, I said ma'am, would you, would you pray for me right now? I need you to pray for me. I don't know why I asked, I just did. She lays hands on me and I went old school Pentecostal. <laughs> Hit the floor. No catcher or little blankie that they have in the box over there. Just, I was just out under the spout where the glory comes out. And, and so she starts prophesying. But the problem is I didn't understand a word she said. So she starts going, for the Lord to save her. I don't know what she said, but can I tell you to this day, that's the most powerful prophecy I've ever had. It was so powerful, I took my pen and wrote in my journal. I didn't know what to write, so I drew a squiggly line and a picture of a butterfly. But in fact, that's a word for someone here. that's someone here, you've got pain in your heart. God wants to we have celebrated these men of old and they deserve honor and celebration. They're legends. But the truth is, I think, what about our generation? I, I feel like we need some Elijah's of God. We need some people who carry some power to see our high schools wonder Jesus. We we need more than a WWJD band, man. We we need the power of God's spirit working in our heart and working in our life. And And as we come to a close, maybe if the two dueling keyboard players could come, I don't know which one's winning at the moment, but they're having a dance-off up there with their spirit fingers, but tonight I want to pray for some people and I want us to stand for a minute if you wouldn't mind it. The song that I reckon we could really sing is that there is no other name. That's where we could just get ready to sort of go into that. Is that all right? Or "Raw" by Katy Perry. Whichever one you, I don't mind. We can have a vote, to be honest. But kind of ruin that moment that we're just trying to create. We'll start again. We'll just. We'll can we, can we lift up our hands to the God of heaven and earth all across this house? You might be a bit new to church and you've never lifted your hands. Can I just tell you, just just try it, you know? Because you're probably getting the goosebumps and that's pretty cool for the first time. you like, <laughs> it's great. But my prayer tonight is that you would be filled with the power of heaven. That the glory, the power and the touch of Almighty God will come upon your life that you would be filled with all the fullness of God the same power that raised Jesus from the dead would come alive on the inside of your life in this place Spirit of the living God I ask you to come fill this place fill this place with the glory of God tonight we're so hungry God we're so hungry God we're so hungry Lord, we're so hungry. Father, fill this house with the glory of God. If you're hungry, just lift your hands to heaven. Father, let your anointing just come right now in Jesus' name. Rivers, rivers, rivers. Lord, I pray that in this time, of the in this earth right now, God, I pray that there would be people in this place filled with the Spirit of God. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Filled with the presence of heaven. God, right now, in Jesus' name. God, right now, in the name of Jesus.